Somebody asked if that was a typo, if it was supposed to say the 24th. <laughs> I said, no, that's correct. It's supposed to be December 23rd. Um, and we are, we are excited about it. Um, I'm excited about the youth Christmas party as well. Uh, so I was playing charades this week, and one of them was Barber. And nobody could get it. And so I ran upstairs, and I got my shaver, and I just started shaving my head off. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. This was an intentional choice. I wanted to get my hair cut this week, so I got it super short. It wasn't charades, but anyway, give it, if you guys want to come watch me play charades, I absolutely love to play charades. Amen. Okay, it's all good. Okay, we're going <laughs> to continue to worship the Lord uh, with our giving. Uh, I want to read, you know, I don't typically read a uh, scripture out of Psalm uh, when it has to do with giving, but I've just been so encouraged by reading through the Psalms. It's just been a great time. I'm going to read out Psalm 20, and I'm just going to read uh, verse 1 through 9, so whoever's back there, stick with me here as we go through. Then we're going to pray over our uh, tithes and our offerings, and we'll get into the message. Uh, just one thing to note, we have multiple options to give. Of course, you can give up here, as we've already said. There's a box in the back. Uh, there's offering envelopes in the back uh, that you can give. You can also give online. You can go to our website and give, or you can even start text to give, which we've had available for a long time. You just have to text uh, to 84321. Uh, you can just text to that number, any dollar amount, and then you walk through a setup. Once that setup is done, then you can text uh, any dollar amount anytime in order to, uh, order to do that. Okay? All right, Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Listen to this, verse 7. Some trust in chariots. You can fill in whatever word of today's you want to do. Some trust in jobs. Some trust in our employment. Some trust in whatever. Some trust in horses. Add whatever else you want to put in there in today's words. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, may the King answer us when we call. He will answer us. We need to trust in Him for the answers, casting our cares onto Him, for He truly cares for us. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for today. We thank You for this Christmas time the season that we're in. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are moving and working in our finances, in our jobs, in our area. Father, I thank you, Lord, that even as we prayed this morning, you are moving in our hospitals. You are moving amongst our healthcare workers. Down the hallways, Father, you are moving. You are working. You are changing lives. You are healing those who need healed. You are bringing hope to those who need hope. Father, those who are brokenhearted, you are mending up their hearts. And Father, I thank you for the testimonies that will come out on the other side. Father, we lift up these tithes and offerings up to you. We thank you for them.
Father, may we be good stewards of that, that which you entrusted to us. And Father, I pray a blessing over this message today. Have your way in this place. Show us what you want, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And like normal, if anything is normal around here, I don't know. Like we don't normally circle the chairs and pray in a circle. So nothing's ever normal. But like normal, I'm going to get there to Ephesians 4. So just be there for a minute, and we'll get there just in a minute. I want to just say a scripture verse that we've been talking about as we've been casting vision for the future of Erie Christian Fellowship Church out of Habakkuk or Habakkuk. How many say Habakkuk? How many say Habakkuk? All right, Habakkuk's have it today. Okay, Habakkuk, I'll go with you guys. 2 verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Amen. When we see vision, what God has in store for the church, for the local church, we ought to be able to get excited and run after it. And if you want to put up that vision slide we have up there, I just want to go through some things we're going to pick up on the fourth quadrant, the last of the four this week. This has been kind of the vision slide that we've had up. You can see our logo in the top left-hand corner. And if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen to some of the messages. But what I've been doing is walking through each of these quadrants one week at a time. And we talked about one reaching one. We talked about reaching one million souls for Jesus Christ. We talked about the cross at the center as it represents in our logo, having Jesus Christ and the Word of God constantly at the center. We've talked about the cross as it makes Route 90 going across and Route 79 going down. And we talked about all of this. The only way any of this happens is through prayer, partnership, and participation. This vision has to be circled and surrounded with prayer. It has to be completely embraced and engaged by the entire church from a participation perspective. And I've realized long ago that we can't do it all. And there has to be partnerships with other ministries, other organizations that we help like the City Mission or other even churches that we partner with to reach a million souls for Jesus Christ in Northwest Pennsylvania. And we've been going through and talking about how we, have, we believe and are seeing the lost saved. And we believe and are seeing lives being transformed. And last week I gave my infamous 10-point sermon I know it's only supposed to be three. Today I have six. Yeah, I'm getting better. I might get to three by, by Christmas service on the 23rd. Maybe. Maybe I'll even get to two by then. But here we have the sick healed. And I gave the ten ways that I have found in the Bible that God heals. And they're, they're really unique. They're different. And I encourage you that if you have a sickness or a pain or a challenge in your life, that there are ten different things you can go do and go after to see God work in healing. He doesn't always use the same one. It's not always a miraculous healing right here, right now. And this morning I want to talk about families thriving. I want to talk about families thriving, what that means, what that looks like, why it's important. And the first thing I want to do is I want to open up and say this. What is the church's role in families thriving? What is the church's responsibility in family striving? And then I want to talk to you guys out of the book of Ephesians and what I believe the Lord has each and every one of us to recognize, to be able to understand what it looks like and how can we personally help operate in a family that is thriving. So what is the church's role in this? I want to preface this by saying a couple things. 
some of the prophetic words that have happened that we have heard that this time that we're in is like a Braxton Hicks contraction. For those who are familiar with labor, that is the labor pain before the actual labor pain. It means it's a practice. It means your body is getting ready for something that is in store that's coming. And in fact, it's usually coming soon. The Braxton Hicks contractions that start in a woman's body are not necessarily or not normally six, eight months before the actual labor starts. They're usually within a couple months or a couple weeks prior to it happening. And the prophetic words that we've had, I'm not talking about the YouTube prophetic words, like because the YouTube prophetic words said a whole lot of things were going to happen. And I'm not, I don't trust in any of them. I trust in what the Lord is speaking to us and our church. And there are some that may all come to pass and we have to see and time will tell which one of those things actually happen. But internally for us, prophetic people that we know and love and care for, including my wife, have said things like this time is a time of sifting, of shifting, of sorting, and of a time of a Braxton Hicks contraction, like a pre-labor pain. So if we believe that, and I do, whatever way we move forward, we have to take into account what we believe is coming at us in the not-too-distant future. I mean, you, any business, right, if you were putting together a business, and we are not a business, let me just make that real clear. We are not, I've told this a couple weeks back, when we, we, of course, we have finances and stuff like that, but we are not a business. We don't operate like a CEO model. We don't have multi-levels of hierarchy within that. That is not how the church is to operate. It's a whole other message, probably not for Sunday morning. I'll talk about that at some other point in time. But what I'm saying is if we believe this is coming, just like a business believes something is coming, do you not have to react to that? Do you not have to make changes internally? Do you not have to say, you know what, I need to become more nimble in this time. I need to become ready to be debt-free in this time. All the stuff that we've been talking about. So when I want to talk about families thriving, I want you to understand that all of these things, lost, saved, lives transformed, sick, healed, families thriving, is all in the context of what we see coming in the future. And the word has been, it, can't not, it cannot look like the way it did in the past. Everything I've heard, it cannot look the same as it did in the past. I can tell you, look church, this does not look the same as it did in the past. Services are longer. The kids are in here. We're circling around in circles and praying. I mean, th- I mean, it's different. Things are different. And the kids are in here and it's good. And it's different. So I want to preface all that. So what is the church's role in all of this, is on a Sunday morning, we are not going to shy away from the difficult topics. We are not going to shy away from talking about families. We are not going to shy away from talking about relation, what God has to say about relationships. We are going to encourage honesty. Because, as we said before, don't walk alone. No one's sending in their prayer requests. If you just think that you can continue to go on and on and on and on all by yourself and figuring it out and dealing with it all by yourself, you're actually wrong. The Bible doesn't command us to do it alone. The Bible doesn't say don't share with anyone else your problems. In fact, it says confess your sins to one another lest you be healed. It says be in community, break bread together, fellowship together, worship together, gather together. Don't forget the gathering of the saints. All of that is biblical commands that he is calling us to go do. He is encouraging us, and we as a church will encourage connection. Families reaching families. You know, we have this one reaching one. It goes the same. One reaching one to see the lost saved. One reaching one to see a life transformed. 
One reaching one to see someone who is sick healed. And families reaching families. One reaching one to see families thriving. We will encourage partnership. We're partnering with counseling services. We've also talked, beginning to talk about this week that we want to partner with, with deliverance ministries as well. Because I think too much the church has moved towards, and we just started talking about this, and it's just been in my heart ever since we had that conversation, my wife and I, that the church is quickly or almost overly going to running to counseling. And I've been the first one up here who says, guess what, guys? I've been to counseling. What? Pastor Jason, you've been to counseling? Yes. In fact, I went to counseling. We went to counseling for our marriage. And I encourage people to go to counseling. I think it's important. I think it's good. But I also think that there's a leg of the table missing from a deliverance perspective and in a spiritual perspective of what God wants to go do and the miracles he wants to do and the casting out of things that need to be casted out. So it's not one without the other, but it's both together. We will talk about marriage and parenting. And I'm going to talk for a minute about kids' ministry real quick. Before we get to Ephesians 4, I promised a six-point sermon out of Ephesians 4, and I will get there. Kids' ministry. Here's what I want to, I, want to, I have a lot to say, but I'm going to ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to tell me, have me say only what I want to say, what I should say. You know that this kid corner that we've had over here with the sermon bags, and I don't know if many people remember how this worked, but this began to happen before COVID actually started. And I believe, truly believe, that the Holy Spirit was beginning to show us, to lead us, and to guide us how to do kids' ministry different in this time. And he began to prepare us for this before we even knew what the word COVID was. And we began to develop this kid corner and these sermon bags. And wouldn't you know, come March, this little thing happened, somewhat big now, but this thing happened that we were prepared for and the Holy Spirit was leading us for. And we had brought kids into worship previously to that. And I believe that this is the Lord, what he has for us at this time is kids being in the service. And I say that not lightly. I say that not because... You know what? You guys are just, you guys are out there. This is most, I'm telling you, this is happening all across the United States. This is when the Holy Spirit moves. I truly believe that he moves both, both domestically or internally or in a church, and there's specific things he tells a church. But he also moves globally and across the United States in themes in different ways. And he is moving in a direction of bringing families together. He is moving in a direction of families thriving together, parents and children together in church services being together. And I'm not saying kids' ministry is bad or was bad or youth ministry was bad or was bad. It had its time, it had its place, and it may come back again someday down the road. I don't know. But what I'm saying is for this time as God is leading. And you say, well, how do you know this for a fact? I, look, Pastor Jim and Pam, our founding pastors, have been traveling. They are seeing it over and over and over in places that they are seeing. They're seeing kids coming into this community and families coming together and families thriving together. And in fact, John Nuzo, and I won't give all the details of what he said, I don't know if it's public or not, but he had a session just this past Wednesday 
that he went out, and John Nuzzo is the senior pastor of Victory Church in Cranberry, multiple thousand-person church. And some of the words that the Lord said to him is, it's time to change. The church services will not look like the way they used to anymore. The, the time of the attractional church, make it easy for everybody and give everybody exactly what they need when they need it, is over. It is time for the church to rise up and to be the church. The cool church is no longer cool anymore. These are his words, not mine. And so I truly believe that that is just confirmation for us that we are moving the direction of the Holy Spirit of what God has in store for us. And I say, what does the future look like? I don't know exactly what the future looks like. But I know that as we develop it for some reason... They try to come here and put locks on the doors, and they literally do, and we can't gather physically here. I know that we are going to be called to gather in homes, and we will gather, still gather together. And I know that as we train our children to sit in these services and to do these things, he is preparing us for what is ahead. He is preparing us for a time that our kids will be ready, and they'll have their bags, and it doesn't matter where they're doing church or how we're doing church, they're going to be ready. I'm not speaking that over our church. You, know, you guys understand what I'm saying. We have to be as leaders hearing from the Holy Spirit and say, which direction are you leading? Because he knows what's coming. I don't know what's coming. He knows what's coming. And we have to be obedient in every one of our lives, in our families. He knows what's coming for you. He knows if the job you currently have is going to be the job you have six months from now. You may not know it, but he does. And we have to be attuned to the Holy Spirit and understand what he has in store. And there are many testimonies from kids' ministry, even in, my, even in our own family. But I want to read you a testimony from what God's doing in our kids' ministry, which is happening here in the service. I'm just going to read this. This is from someone in our congregation. And you'll know who it is when I say his name. <laughs> so from the world standards, Maximus, Max, my buddy, was diagnosed as severe, severe, uh, severely autistic at age three. He also had a very limited vocabulary, if any, but God. We as a family have learned to do a lot of things differently. It has really been growing experience for Ruth, his mom, most of all. When church made the decision pre-COVID that children would be in service, everything in me screamed out, Max can't do this. He can't sit in service. He just can't do it. I know, I know a lot of the can'ts. For me on Sunday, this was my hour break. <laughs> this was where I could get lost in praise and worship. I let it become a problem to the point of looking for other churches that may be having children's services. You know because the kids need to have their own thing that suits them. And then Pastor Jason spoke on the church's vision, and I received correction from the Lord. Church, and really life for that matter, is not about me. I had to get past myself and put God first, where he always should have been. And everyone can see that Maximus can sit or lay in church, that he worships, that he pays attention. In fact, he gives me as many or more amens than the rest of you. Because God is always faithful. God is always faithful. Maximus can learn to flow in the Holy Spirit, function 
in the heaviness of God's presence. Receive from the Father, adore Him, and He is always in His presence. Yes, you can be in His presence anywhere. However, there is nothing like a group of believers worshiping and praising God together. And I'll tell you what, our kids listen. Because when we gave the salvation call or message, and if you guys remember the week where our little Noel came up and received Jesus, and everyone was crying, not a, not, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. This young man had a conversation with his mom on the way home. And she was able to lead him to the Lord and talk to him about Jesus and talk to him about what it means. So I tell you what, guys, God is moving. He is moving in our children. And even though they might be sitting here and we think that they're not listening or learning, but they are. They are watching us worship. They are listening to us teach. And there is miracles happening in their lives. There are testimonies that are coming from it. So let me say this. We've had many testimonies even in our own life. I know someone, a good friend of ours, was a young, young man was filled with the Holy Spirit during a church service where we weren't even praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a young man. God is moving. Amen? So what's our role in all of this as a church? Ephesians 4. I told you I'd get there. What is our role? Let me say this, guys. I know it's hard. <laughs> I know it's hard to have our kids have our kids in the service. For those who are watching online, we are probably, because we have so many kids, we are more than willing to work with you guys. We are ready to work with you guys. We are not distracted by disruptions. If, you know, we've got a family who made it five minutes the first week, 10 minutes the second week, 20 minutes the third week, 25 minutes the fourth week, and by the seventh time or eighth time, the kids made it through the whole service. Guys, it's just a matter of training our kids. We, can't, we have to train our kids. We can't always give them exactly what they need. Sometimes we need to give them what they really need. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother message. That's the parenting side coming out, right? That's a whole nother time. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4. So a thriving family, what does that look like for you and me? What does that look like in our lives? What does that look like? I talked about at the church, and there's things we're going to go do, and I only touched the surface of what it means for a family thriving at the church. But in our families, in our relationships, in our friendships, not just family, but in every relationship in our life, what does that look like? How do we walk through this life? And to be able to thrive in our relationships and in our families. So Ephesians 4. A thriving family is this, point number one, walks in unity. A thriving family walks in unity. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, says this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Just stop there for a second. Do you guys understand what Paul is saying there? A prisoner of the Lord. That means we don't get to go do whatever we want to go do whenever we want to go do it. Everyone's like, what? I thought I lived in America. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, no. If you are a Christian, you are, you are in prison with Christ in a sense that you, you can't just go do whatever you want. You can't say whatever you want. Well, I can say whatever I want. That's free speech. <laughs> yeah, in America you have free speech, but under the lordship of Christ, you don't always get to say everything you want whenever you want to say it. 
Like, we could spend a whole message on just what it means to be a prisoner of the Lord. Whew. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, look at this, to walk worthy of your calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Is this a reflection of your family? I have to ask myself, is this a reflection of my family? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, unity, 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 unity. A thriving family. For your family to be thriving, you must walk in unity. Does that mean you agree on everything that happens in your life? No. <laughs> that doesn't happen that way. But it's an attitude of walking in unity. It's an attitude of, I'm seeking to understand. It's an attitude of, look, I, my goal is unity and peace within our marriage, within our family. How do I walk that out? Lord, help me. Lord, show me. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. So a thriving family, number one, walks in unity. And when I say that, I mean really it is filled with peace. Number two, so I'm going to walk right through Ephesians 4 and 5. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I'll go in order. Number two, a thriving family walks in their God-given role. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says this, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now I could go through a whole message on godly order and what that means and the unification between a husband and a wife and how that looks like and what that looks like in a home. And I'm not going to go through that this morning. But what I'm telling you is a thriving family has to have godly order. It just has to have godly order. Men, this is a whole separate message for you guys, and I'm not going to get into that this morning. But I can tell you what, too much in today's culture, the kids are the ones in charge. That is not godly order. It's not godly order, guys, to have our kids in charge. They get to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. It's actually not good for them. And anybody who knows who puts boundaries on things, the teenagers are like, yeah, I don't believe that. <laughs> anybody who knows when we put boundaries on things, they're healthy. And they help our children stay within the boundaries of protection. And when they go outside of that boundary, they are outside of that protection. And a lot of times bad things happen. Because we live in this world and there are natural consequences to sin. But I'm just going to say that in general, well not all, I mean all the time, a thriving family has godly order. Number three, a thriving family walks with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 20. I'm going to read down here through a little bit. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, take it off, 
concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Walking with the Holy Spirit. We have to be intentional about doing this if we want a thriving family. Look at verse 25. Therefore, so what does this mean in our day-to-day life? We have to put away lying. Let each of us speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, That is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of our mouth. Can't say what you want to say whenever you want to say it. But what you can say is what is good, necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, Clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And look at this. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. A thriving family is marked by grace and space. A thriving family is marked by grace and space. That's what I believe it means when we're walking by the Holy Spirit. A spirit of forgiveness in our, in our marriages, in our relationships. A grace and space for the imperfections of our lives. Because how many of you know, honey, don't raise your hand, that we're all imperfect? How many know your pastor's imperfect? <laughs> yeah, man. Got some hands raising up there. I get it. Guys, grace and space. When we're walking with the Holy Spirit, he is leading and guiding us in our family, so that they can thrive. Number four. So the first three were this, walks in unity. A thriving family walks in their God-given role. A thriving family walks with the Holy Spirit. And a thriving family walks in love. Number four. Walks in love. Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And what? Walk in love. As Christ has also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Thriving families walk in love. Men, we ought to love our wives as Christ loved the church, laying ourselves down for her, not lording over her. There's no greater love than one who will lay down their life for someone else. When we walk in love, we speak the truth in love, which means we communicate with each other. We talk to each other. We respect one another when we talk to each other. We understand each other's love languages, what it is. Is it quality time? Is it physical touch? Is it acts of service, words of affirmation? And we have to be intentional about showing love in the way the other person needs to receive it. The fifth way a thriving family we can see is that they walk in light. Not only do we walk in love, but they walk in light. Ephesians 5. And here's the beauty thing. 
you can almost, you don't even have to remember everything that I'm saying or even the points. You can just start reading through Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, and you will have this message all wrapped up in a nice little tidy package. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. If you remember nothing, what a thriving family looks like, those are the chapters that you get to read. This is what I'm teaching out of. That's right, read them in all kinds of translations. Walks in light, verse 8 in Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Come on, guys. A thriving family cannot keep things in the dark. That's what we talked about earlier. If you need help, if you need to talk to somebody, you need to begin to share the issues and the challenges that you have, because the more we keep them in darkness, the more they begin to grow. The more we don't deal with the issues, the more they begin to grow. We have to remove things in our lives that could cause harm as the Holy Spirit continues to lead us. And my counsel to you guys is don't hide issues. We laugh, we always talk about it. It's like trying to hold a, um, a balloon or a beach ball underneath the water in a pool. Anybody ever try to do that? Think of that as the analogy. Take a big beach ball, try to push it under the water and keep it there. It doesn't work. You can only do it for so long until that ball usually does what? <laughs> Pops up in the air. And then it's visible to everybody. Guys, we have to let things out. We have to begin to talk with each other. We have to be living in community, sharing our challenges and our concerns with one another, within our family and with others. And number six, a thriving family walks in wisdom. Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. We have to intentionally walk in wisdom, intentionally doing the things that God has us called to go do, because if we don't, we will tend towards the flesh, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, for the fill, uh, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. You ready for this? How we should speak to one another in a thriving family? Speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. You don't have to sing your conversation to your spouse. That's not what this means. But your conversation with your spouse or your friend or your loved one needs to be laced with love, with respect, with encouragement, with exhortation. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Michael, if you want to come back up here. So a thriving family, what does it look like? A thriving family walks in unity, walks in their God-given role, walks in the Holy Spirit, walks in love, 
walks in light, and walks in wisdom. You say, well, what am I supposed to do with all this? What's my practical things that I can go do? My advice to you is just pick one. Guys, this, our relationships are a journey. I don't want you guys to go home and be like, there are six things, everybody, we have to work on, and because I'm now, I'm the man of the house, I demand that these six things now begin to happen, and it's just like, that's not going to go over well. It doesn't work that way. Ask the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for you guys here in just a minute. What is the Lord working on in your relationships? Maybe in your marriage, with your parents, with your kids. What does he want to work on? Is it unity? Is it walking in wisdom? Is it love? Is it peace? And I believe that once he shows you something, I believe we all need to take action towards that. The Lord reminded me that we're in the middle of Advent season right now. And sometimes when I, when I go to put the kids to bed, my goal is to get them to bed as fast as humanly possible. I'm just being honest with you. I'm the guy in the family that puts the kids to bed, and it's just like, you know what? I just want to get them to bed as fast as possible. I'll say the quickest prayer, I'll find the shortest scripture, and we're just going to get it done real quick. And the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, Jason, my friend, I love you. It's Advent. Why don't you spend a little more time with the kids before bed? Why don't you bust out the candles and begin lighting them each night and walking through with them the Advent season and what it means? And I was just like, eh, eh. I don't want to do that. It's too late at night. I just want to get him in bed. But I'll tell you what, we've been doing that this past week. And now they're so excited. They're like, Dad, when are we going to light the second candle? It's tonight. Tonight's the second Sunday of Advent. I'd encourage you as families, it's not too late to start Advent. You guys can start doing it as a family at night. That's what the Lord wants you guys to go do. But what I'm saying is pick one thing. A family doesn't thrive this afternoon because of a message on Sunday morning. <laughs> How I wish it was true. How I wish you all just walked away and be like, ah, oh, Pastor Jason gave a great message on thriving families. Now all of our families are thriving perfectly. Ah, oh, Christmas season's beautiful. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I wish it did. This is a journey. Our relationships, our life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I hate running marathons. Ugh. But that's what life is, and we have to adjust to it. And we have to ask the Lord, what is it? If a thriving family is important to God, which it is, he gives us instructions in the Bible on how to do it, start somewhere. Just start somewhere and moving that way. You guys close your eyes. Actually, everybody stand this morning. If you're here with your family, go ahead and maybe grab their hand or stand, stand close to them, next to them. The teenagers are like, don't, don't hold my hand. Come on. <clears throat> Just get together with your families that are here. I want to pray with you guys. Can my family come up here? Yeah, baby, come up here. 
This is such a good message. I feel that way every week when he preaches. <laughs> such a good message. As he's speaking, I've had a wonderful journey with the Lord. And I came out of a family that did not a lot of these six things at all. And the Lord really had a hard time breaking into all, breaking down all my walls to show me what, what it looked like to be fathered. And the biggest thing, and what, what really, the walls began tumbling down, and I really began to know the Lord. When I accepted this one thing, he cares about me. He cares about how I feel. Now, how I feel doesn't change what I have to walk through. How I feel isn't going to make things go away or make things come how I want them. But he cares about how I feel. Then I married a guy who cares about how I feel. And I feel like one of the, um, one of the biggest things about parenting, well, marriage and parenting, but especially parenting, is men be gentle. Be gentle with your wives and be gentle with your kids. And when you're not gentle, just apologize. Just say so. Without the word but. I know I wasn't gentle, but (laughs) you didn't obey. But you hit your sister. But you slammed the door. And I know, you know how I feel about slamming doors. We hear that one. So apologize for not being gentle. So men, be gentle. And moms and dads, care about how your kids feel. Set that boundary and don't move it. You can let them know, listen, buddy, I know it's hard, but you took the second serving, and I told you to be careful not to take it too big because you were going to have to finish it. Now you have to finish it. I know it's hard, buddy. I know, I'll sit here with you while you do it. You know, and then like 10 minutes later, he's, you're doing great. Is he really doing great? No, he's crying, and there's snot coming out everywhere, and he's just making my life miserable. But he's, he's doing great because he's still doing it. It's like giving them encouragement, even when they maybe don't, it helps them. Give them encouragement. And then, you know, I know he's never going to get to the finish line. I know he's never going to finish that plate of food unless he sits here till 11 p.m. I'm not going to do it. I, it's a lesson he needs to learn. So I'm like, okay, here, you eat those two pieces there and that little bit of rice, and we'll call it good. Okay. And he feels that I'm helping him. I'm incur- I set the boundary, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to help him get over the finish line. I even moved the finish line a little bit closer. But he got the point. He got the lesson. Care about one another. Set the boundary. Be firm. But do it with gentleness and do it with great care. And that is the lesson of the Lord. That's, how, that's who he is. That's how I came to know him was because of the great care. And families, are. It's difficult. It's not easy. It's not easy. And there's a reason for that because it's so important. It's, it's, it's so important. So um, as you walk through this, this was such a good message. I mean, it was just so good. And I just, I just want to hear more. I want you to go, like, deeper in. Which I just one, want yeah. you to go more. Um, we just have to pray. We have to pray. We have to invite him into each relationship, our marriages, our parenting, our sibling relationships. And the reason family is so difficult is it exposes in us those things we would rather keep quiet. That's all it does. 
That's all it does. Think having a baby is going to strengthen your marriage? You are wrong. <laughs> it's not. It's going to expose your selfishness. It's going to expose your harshness. And it's, you have a choice. We all have a choice. We run to the Father. That is what we're going to do this morning. We run to the Father, not with what your spouse is doing wrong or with what your kids are doing wrong, but with your own self. Amen. We run to the Father. And we lay it all out before him. And we ask him, what, what can I do? A big one in our marriage was I just need to be quiet. We're communicators, and that's always worked. We came into a season where it wasn't working, and I had to learn how to shut up. Just be quiet, woman. Just be quiet. It's all going to be okay. You're not going to fix this with your words this time. That was hard. That's hard. But the Lord helped me. And it was great. And now it's great. And I just get real quiet real fast, and he comes to me. What's the matter? You're being really quiet. Is everything okay? <laughs> what I do. <laughs> the Lord will lead you in what your thing is. That's right. That's right. In those areas where you need to submit, surrender, and where he just, he'll come in and he'll just be so good and he'll help. Amen. So let's just go to him yeah, in prayer just, this Let's morning. just go to him in prayer. Father, we just lift up each family to you. Each family that's represented here, that's watching online. Father, we ask that you strengthen them, encourage them. Father, we just ask that you would help each and every one of them to walk in unity, to walk in their gifting and their callings and the roles that you have for them, to walk by your Holy Spirit day in and day out, to walk in love, to walk in the light, and to walk in wisdom. Father, we thank you for your word that you lead us and guide us there, that we can stand strong on it. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word says that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. So we speak to those things now, and we tell them to go in Jesus' name. We cast them out of marriages, out of friendships, out of relationships with our kids and vice versa. We speak fresh life over families. We speak families thriving at Erie Christian Fellowship Church. Father, I thank you. You give us the strength and power to stand and then stand some more. And then stand a little longer, no matter the storm, no matter the challenge. And that you are leading and guiding us. And Father, over this holiday season, if there's something you want us to change in our lives, help us to make that change. If there's someone we need to ask forgiveness from, let us go ask for forgiveness. If you want us to go do something with Advent, then Lord, lead us in that direction. Whatever it is, Lord, may we keep thriving families at the forefront of our lives. Knowing that when we see you face to face, you're going to ask us first about our relationship with you and second about how we treated our family. Not how we did at our job or not whether we went to church every Sunday, but how we treated each other within our family. So, Father, strengthen us for that. 
We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. As we were praying, um, I just want to encourage you, pray over your children while they're sleeping. Amen. Once you finally get them to sleep, <laughs> go back in their bedroom while they're sleeping and pray over them. Pray over your husbands while you're in the shower and they're not bugging you. You know, or pray over your husbands. Husbands, pray, over, pray for your wives and pray over your wives. Pray in the spirit. There's so many times when I feel frustrated or I feel not a whole lot of like for the people I'm living with. I always love them, but I don't always like them. And when I feel that, I just begin to pray in the Spirit while I'm folding wash. We're praying in the Spirit. It's not long. Sometimes it's just a minute. But I invite the Holy Spirit in because it's the only way to know whether I should make him finish that second plate or whether I should show him mercy. In that moment, I need the Holy Spirit to tell me which way to go. Because that choice is important. The Holy Spirit knows what they need when they need it. The Holy Spirit knows if I need to be quiet or if I need to speak and we need to fight something out. You know, or, you know, talk truth in love kind of thing. But the Holy Spirit, this cannot be done without the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So thank you, Father, that he, he leads us. He, he leads us and guides us. Amen. Amen. Guys, I know time's late. If you have any prayer requests for healing or for relationship, or maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you can do that this morning. I don't want anyone to ever leave and not having that opportunity. So we got some prayer teams up here that are ready to pray. They can pray with you. They can lay hands on you. They can speak healing in your life and just pray for any need that you might have. So prayer teams, come on up. And let me just leave you guys with this, the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen? Amen, amen. Be dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon.